I like the songs that were chosen, especially the first one where it speaks about the love of Christ and uh, how much he loves us. I think uh, that was what Paul had in mind here in the last part of Ephesians chapter 3, which we're going to look at today from verse 14. Just kind of go through this, all right, and look and see what Paul is saying here. I think one of the things that's important for us to do is to try and place ourselves in here. So when we're reading a letter, like for instance to the Ephesians, many of the things that are addressed to that particular church in that particular time are uh, relevant to us today in the 21st century, in spite of the fact that so many years have changed. And one of the reasons for that is that uh, human beings by nature don't change, you know. They uh, may not have had cell phones and had the ability to text each other, but nonetheless, they still had things to communicate and share with each other using whatever form uh, media that they had at that time, right? And nothing, we're all, our hearts are the same. We're in the same condition today as they were then. And specifically, uh, Paul's addressing this church and so we come to this particular place here. We're going to move to the, um, the passage on the screen. We'll look at the starting with uh, verse 14. I think I would just read the first couple of verses and then I'll pick up from there. If you don't mind standing, we'll just look at the first couple of verses uh, and uh, kind of go from there and see what, what the Lord is, has, has for us today. So, uh, for this reason, I, I bow my knees uh, before the Father, this is Paul speaking, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man, or in your inner being. So, let's, let's just uh, bow our heads and let's ask God for his blessing on our sermon today. Uh, blessings for the, the preacher and blessings for the congregation that ha that's, that's going to be listening. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for this passage that we've been going through this book uh, to the Ephesians um, that Paul wrote so many years ago in our prayer, Lord, is that the principles that are found here, the, the, the kingdom principles that are found here uh, would be applicable as we understand to us today. If there's something that we have in common, Lord, is that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, but we're also, as a church, the redeemed, as we sang about today, uh, and we're growing, we're trying to uh, follow your will, Lord, and do the things that you've commanded us, and so it, things are the same, in spite of the fact that so many years have passed. Help us to see our, our part, how... It is that you operate and work among us and, and what our response should be. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So, I think it's fair to say that it would be uh, appropriate to try and put a little flesh and blood on these passages. You know, make them applicable. But we've got to understand what's happening and why first. And then maybe we can see how we uh, react to this. And that, that's, that's what's going on here this morning. We see Paul here is praying for the believers in Ephesus. 
So he says in this, uh, what we just read, here I bow my, uh, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So what we see here is the prayer of a pastor. But that might apply to me right now as I read this, that he's praying for his congregation. But that would be the same for all of us. Wouldn't we be as fathers or mothers praying for our families, our children, uh, as brothers and sisters, wouldn't we be praying uh, for each other? Uh, uh, as a friend, wouldn't we be praying for friends? Uh, if you care about someone, if you love someone, and you're concerned about uh, their lives and what they're experiencing and having to deal with, and either way, whether it's difficulty or whether you see that their life is thriving, you want, you want the best for them, don't you? And I, and I like that Paul, in, by his words, is showing us that he's, he's, a, he's a leader by prayer. He cares. He cares about, about these people. And, and I don't know about you guys, but you know I know um, you care about Maya. I, I, I don't even have to. I know you do. And I've heard you ask for prayer for her. Right? I, I know you care about your... your your wife, your husband, your children, your, you know, your daughters, your sons. There's no different here. Paul is like the spiritual father. I mean, how many of us learn about something? For instance, I just, my mother's telling me that she's uh, struggling right now in her health. They discovered a blood clot in her heart and it's weakened her and they're working on it, you know with medication and so my prayers constantly are father um, I, I commit to you my mother's health and and ask for your intervention and ask for you to um, to be with her and to bless her and to protect her and that your will would be done for her because we know that God's will is the best thing that could ever happen to any of us you know my friend or that I know that is uh, maybe going to travel. Hey, Lord, you know what I'm saying? What, what, I, what I see here and what I love about Paul, he says, hey, man, uh, for this reason, and he's talking about what we just saw last week, I bow, I bow my knees before the Father. He's, he's praying for the believers. You know? How about you? You stay up at night sometimes when you learn that someone that you love and care about is, has a need or is struggling or suffering or there are health issues and or they have to make decisions or whatever. They're, you know, we have lives. We're, we're in, this is real. That we're, what we're doing here is actually, it's, 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 it's our, how can I say it other than, it's what's, what we're going through right now. And all of us do. None of us are ex exempt. So, um, I would say it like this, I'm praying for you as a church and individually as I learn about your lives and when you share them with me, I'm praying for you. And I would uh, think that it would be uh, appropriate, that it would be reciprocal, that you would be praying for me. What a, what a lovely way to live, right? Instead of beating each other down, we're lifting each other up and we're presenting each other to the Father, to the Father, it is right here. So he has a specific prayer. He understands when he says in verse 14, uh, rather 15, that from whom every family in heaven and earth uh, 
is named. Well, he, he, he created everyone. So, of course, he knows about them. He, he created you. He created me. He created us. He put us together in this church. You know? You know, maybe when you get to heaven, you may want to ask him, hey, why did you put me with that guy, that pastor? <laughs> well, you deserve it. But either way, good or bad. Amen? You deserve a goofy pastor. Right? But you also deserve one that strives and seeks to do his best. And I can tell you this without any doubt. To try and explain to you what God's word says. And that's my job as a pastor. Paul is saying, hey, he's, he's the creator. Uh, every family in heaven and on earth is named. Right? God just sent down thunder through the speakers. <laughs> he said, I hear you. That according, so basically, according to the riches in his glory. So, he's saying, based on God's resources, based on what God has, what are they? What are the riches in glory? Well, they're unlimited. Based on his bank account, if you want to call it like that. Based on his gifts and talents and his character and his attributes. All based on who he is. And we know he's a good, good father. Based on that, I pray for you, I'm, I'm, I'm on bended knee, that he may grant you something. So what, what's he specifically asking the Father to do that matters? That they may be what? Strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner man. That they might be strengthened. There couldn't be a better prayer when you see your friends struggling and going through difficulties, your families, Lord, give them strength. Because it's not like he's going to pluck you out of it. That's one of the things we have to learn. God usually doesn't take us out of our problems. He takes us through them. So if that's the case, then we need strength. We don't want no crybabies and weaklings. You know what I'm saying? Strength. That's what we need. We need strength. Where? He's not talking about physical strength. Notice he's talking about the inner being. Right? Strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit. This strength comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not our strength. It's God's strength to us. Gifted to us. A grace. It's His grace who strengthens us. But I can't do it, Pastor. I, I can't take it anymore. I know. That's why you need His strength. You're right. You can't change that. And what God does often is He brings us to a place to where we can't find a way to escape. Where we don't have the resources to overcome it. We need to depend on Him. That's what He's trying to do. Trying to bring you to a place where you say or recognize or realize at some point, I can't do this on my own. Yes, exactly. So stop trying. They said, they said here in the song too, the second one. Why are you, what was the lyrics? Why are you trying to win the battle when it's already been won? He's already given us the victory at the cross and by his resurrection. Why are we fighting? 
We, don't have, we fight with Him, not apart from Him. We depend on Him. One of the things that I get to do as a resource specialist in my job as a teacher is provide services or any kinds of accommodations, modifications for students that have special needs, right? So they're dependent on those services to, in order to be able to thrive and be successful, right, Yolanda? She's a resource specialist too. We, de we depend on it. And, we, and God provides us this strength that we need. Because we need it. We have, we have a disability. It's called sin. It's called being weak. We need Him. So He's praying for that and He says specifically that He would want uh, them to be strengthened in the inner, inside. So I would say this. Another point we can bring up this, at this uh, verse that brings out this inner being being strengthened is that there's an inner man or inner being just as real as our physical body. So your physical body that you can touch and feel, can you guys, maybe one of you want to come up here and touch my bicep? Just feel the strength. Just as I have a physical body, you have an inner body, if you will. There's a spiritual body, an inner being in you. Your, the spirit, your soul, right? And that person, we come to understand, uh, is as important, the inner being, as the physical one. If not as important, at least, is more important because the physical body will one day be buried in the ground if Jesus doesn't come first and take us home. It's temporal, that is this, I mean, I'm, I'm witnessing things in my body now that, uh, but my head says I'm still 20, but my legs say you're 63. I'm like, you know, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, e, ow, oh. And that's how I know I'm alive, because I feel all those pains, right? The physical body is important. There's no one here that wouldn't go to work out and has a gym or maybe goes on a walk or Whatever exercise you do, you, why are you doing that? To strengthen your physical body, to be healthy. Well, we need to do the same for our inner being. Amen? We understand the importance of the strength of our physical bodies, but the strength of our inner man is also important, and I would suggest that even more so, because it's eternal, the inner man important that our inner man or inner being or inner woman not be weak you don't show up to a battle as a physical warrior weak the same is true in the spiritual realm see one of the things that I learned from my pastor many years ago and I never had to write down this note I just remembered it because it was so profound to me this the laws of the physical world are evident. You see them in science. Scientists will try to explain it. For instance, gravity. That law is immutable. Unless there's a force greater than the pull of gravity that allows whatever object it is to overcome it, like a rocket, right? SpaceX, for instance. 
those boosters are pushing that and giving that rocket a power to overcome gravity. But unless you have something greater than the force of gravity, it's going to stay on the ground. Right? But the, law, the physical laws of this world, right, they're there, they're evident. Well, the spiritual laws are also. And even more so, they're more real. Again, because they have a dimension that's called eternity to them. They're going to be real forever. These physical laws that we experience now will one day burn up when Jesus, in the end, when he finally finishes and the millennial reign of a thousand years, when he returns a second time, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and all of this is gone. So what I'm saying is the physical world has an end date, an expiration date. The inner man doesn't. It's eternal. That inner man needs to be strong, not weak. So Paul's desire for this church is that they would be strong inside. And there's only one way to be, for the inner being to be strong, and that's to, to feed it, to nurture it. And that's what we're doing right now in God's Word. We're partaking of the words of, of life or the bread of life. That's what his word is. Uh, example that... Jesus gives of what his word is like, what he is. He is the bread of life. We need to strengthen the inner man. Now there's an example of that. When I do marriage counseling, I talk about this verse. It's found in 1 Peter 3, and I'll just read it from 1 to 4. The idea of an inner being is brought up again. So we have an ability to contrast we have the ability to compare. There's a physical man that we see alive and well and strong. There's a spiritual man in us, the same, right? So in this particular passage, Peter says to wives, starting at verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives. So he's telling their wives, hey, you, some of you don't have believing husbands. Well, if you want to win them to Christ, right, it's important how you behave, that they see the love of Christ, they see the grace of God in your life, that you present those attributes that represent who God is in your behavior before your husband. If, if you're concerned about his him not being a believer. That's why he says that they can be one without a word. You don't even have to say anything. It's just how you act. It's how you behave. Your conduct matters. You're impacting people by how you act. Oh, I can do whatever I want. I don't impact anybody. Yeah, you do. You can hurt people by how you act. People you say you love. And he's saying to this Group of husbands and wives, First Peter, hey, if you want to win your husband over, uh, your, your behavior, how you treat them matters. So they can see by your treatment the love of Christ that you claim to have in your heart that saved you, that you received and accepted voluntar voluntarily with free will. And he says, without a word, I think words are cheap. If they don't have, if they're not backed up by actions. 
And he's saying, here, don't say a word, but first, your conduct could win them. When, and look at verse 2, and this is in First Peter 3. When they see, they're going to see your behavior. What is that behavior? Respectful and pure conduct. When they see the respect and the conduct, right? So don't let your adorning, don't let your beauty be external. Again, the physical body. By braiding of your hair and putting on gold jewelry and clothing you wear. Man, you can look really good on the outside. The physical person. But what about the inside? How's that doing lately? Which we should be more concerned about. So I would say to everyone, <laughs> go ahead and come to church really looking ugly. I don't care. But I sure want to see the beauty of your heart. Because it's more important to be... <laughs> Some people might say that about me right now. You, you ugly. And I will probably say, you're right. Every time I look in the mirror, I say, but you know what? God sees my heart. God sees your heart. Work on the inner being is what he's saying. And Peter's saying it as well as... Paul, they're both talking about it, both inspired by the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, don't let it be external, braiding your hair, which, you know, no, everybody likes a good haircut, right? You know, everybody likes a good haircut. You, have, you like having a good hair day? Yeah, but that's important. But, and putting on a gold jewelry, some people like the bling, the bling bling. That's okay, I gotta, got myself a really cheap watch. I got a sale. I like these things. Didn't pay. I paid like half of what it's worth. Well, that's a good. Hey, wearing a clothing, you know. Banana Republic. Costco. $14.99. Can't get a deal like that anywhere. Yeah, it's okay. But here's what he's focusing on. Here's what I'm trying to get at. He says... But let your beauty, your adorning, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And get this, that inner hidden person of the heart that has imperishable beauty, described as being gentle and quiet, is very precious in God's sight. God's more concerned about your inner being than he is about your outside physical being. And hey, I like to do a workout every now and then. Want to kind of look good. I'm trying to do some sit-ups so I can get this rid of this panza. Man, those hurt too. But what's more important is the inner man. So let me go back to where we're at in Ephesians 3. He says then that he has been praying for them bowed his knee before the Father, as you see up there on the screen, that according to the riches of his glory, which we know are unlimited, right? His resources have no end. So we can tap into those. That's what he's trying to say. We can ask for that strength and that from God's riches. And what does he want to be granted to them? What's his desire for them? That they would be strengthened with the power through His Spirit, with power through Spirit, we can have a power that's not our own. How are we going to get through this? How am I going to make it, right? You're not. 
not very well without him. That's the point he's trying to make. As a believer, you need to depend on him. You're not independent. As I was making reference to special needs children, one of those silly things that is happening right now is parents are asking that their children who need services be going to what is we call online credit recovery because they're so far behind in credit, which is all done independently. And my first thing to them, it's going to be a disaster. They're not going to pass because they're not going to get help. And so we try to do things on our own without God's help or intervention in our life. It's going to be a disaster. Go ahead and try it. You're wasting years. Go ahead and live without them. Go ahead and think you can do it without them. I'm going to tell you, these 63 years and gray hairs on my head have taught me one thing. I better trust in the Lord first. Because I'm wasting time and I'm losing. I'm going backwards. But you can always move forward one step of a, a time with God's strength. And when He's with you. And you're dependent on Him. And so what happens? He says here, He's praying for them that they would be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Why? Why is the inner being important? And here's the, here's the key to this sermon. Verse 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul prays that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. So the indwelling of Christ is something for us to know that we have, bless you, and that it is through faith that Christ will make his home in your hearts. Trusting him is good for your heart. For your inner being. So faith is what connects Christ to your heart. Well, how can I have Jesus in my heart? You have to trust him. He lives in the heart of faith. Do you see that? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. It didn't stop there, did it, George? Tell Christ to dwell in your heart. Have you received Jesus? It doesn't work that way. It must be that you receive him through faith, and then he makes his abode, his home in your heart. And if Christ is in your heart, then you have everything. You lack nothing, and especially strength. Man, it's a little bit rough out there. I don't know if you guys have been out there lately. I know you came in here today, but you're coming from out there. It's a little rough out there in every way. You know? Sometimes I come in from the... I, sometimes I just want to go home. Just get out of the world. Go home and sit there like, oh, safe here. I got like at least enough to make a sandwich in my fridge. You know what I mean? He's praying that for these people. You know? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How do I get Jesus in my heart? Let's just go to that. It's only possible through faith. He only lives in the heart of the person that trusts him. The person that believes in him. The person that welcomes him there. When the Jews rejected Jesus in John's gospel, chapter 1, he said he came to his own, the Jews, and they reject him. They did not receive him. They didn't welcome him into their hearts through faith. They didn't believe in him. They rejected him, and they rejected him to the point that they 
created a, a, a false witnesses and judged him falsely, sent him to a cross and murdered him. The opposite would not, is not a very beautiful picture. Rejecting Christ or ex- receiving Christ, which is the choice? God puts that in literally like if it were a menu at a restaurant. Do you want the burrito with rejection of Christ? Or would you like the burrito with receiving Christ? And should I add some cheese to that? Well, no, I kind of like my cheese on the outside. You get it? It's a menu. It's like walking into a restaurant to be fed. What do you want? You have a whole menu. You make the choice. If you choose to not have Christ, if you choose to not trust Christ, and you're going to do it on your own, then it's all on you if you're suffering and you're not doing well. But if you say right now where you're sitting, Lord, I can't figure this all out. I don't, I, I'd want to, what, what's best for me. Here's the only thing I know to do. I don't know how you're going to do it. I trust you. Come into my heart. I receive you. I welcome you by faith, and I believe in you. And he'll be there. That's his promise. Not hard to understand. It's hard to do because you have to give up something. You have to give up your will and your way and choose his will and his way. I remember there used to be a Bible that was more modern translation. Back in the 70s, our parents gave to each one of us boys, who were four of us, it was called The Way. I never forgot it. Because it was a nice little picture on the front, and it just said the way in a very beautiful uh, font. The way. Jesus is the way. If you want what's best for your life, because after all, didn't he create you? He knows everything about you, what your strengths are, how, what gifts you have, what abilities you have. If you want to go in the direction that he chooses, you will live a fulfilled life, a realized life. In Spanish we say, una vida realizada. Which you try to translate, a life, a life that's uh, realized, that's, that's uh, recognized. And you say, man, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, you are, because he made you for that. You're in his will. You trust him, you believe in him, you welcome him into your heart. So as many as, uh, it says in uh, uh, John's Gospel, one, I believe it's verse uh, 16 or 17 around there. He says, he came to his own. His own rejected him. They did not receive him. But whoever receives him. Notice the whoever. Who's the whoever? No, it's not a, this is not a Dr. Seuss book. A whoever. A whoever is whoever. If you choose Christ, because he chose you. When he went to the cross and said, you know what I'm going to do for this person or the, for, for all of uh, humanity? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pay the penalty of their sins, which is death. I'm going to take death on my body for them. And if they choose to receive what I did for them at, cro- at the cross, I'll forgive them their sins. Then they'll have eternal life, promise, right? And I will abode, I will dwell in their hearts. Couldn't be anything else that... Better that could dwell in your heart. By the way, what is dwelling in your heart lately? What's dwelling in your heart? Worries? Anger? Uncertainty? Fear? Hate? 
Bitterness. What? What dwelling in your heart? Love, joy, peace, security, confidence. You choose. If you have Christ in your heart, you get all those other second things that I mentioned. If you don't, you're going to suffer. And you could live a whole life having rejected the best life. And it's a vicious circle going nowhere. Well, it is going somewhere. It's going down. Ultimately. He's praying for this church to be strong in their spiritual walk. In the spiritual being. What a pastor. That would be concerned that they would have access. And know that they have access to every resource God has which are unlimited. And we have no idea when we have a need where and how it's going to come. But when it does, it's amazing because it's something we never even thought of. And so Paul is addressing the inner man. And then he goes on to say, as you can see up on the screen too, at the last part, uh, that so Christ in verse 17 may dwell in your hearts through faith. How? Through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, notice that the other foundation or what we're rooted in is love. Right? Rooted in love. Oh, I don't want to be rooted in love. I want the foundation of my life to be hate. Look at the, have you, I don't know if you've seen the documentary of the gangs in Honduras. They got, they've rounded up. They're just they're like, they're like cockroaches. They just stop, they're just everywhere. And they're finally putting them together and they control them so incredibly in the prisons. It's, it's, it's amazing that lives, what it could become. How, how what a disaster they are to the community and to themselves. And some of them, some of them are reached by Christ and their testimonies are powerful because they can tell you what the Lord rescued them from. We don't ever want to go that far down. In their case, they'll never leave the prison. They're a menace to society down there. Christ dwell in our hearts through faith and being and that you being rooted and grounded in love. And this stuff about love, I, I try not to, I try to change the subject to, you know, to something else every Sunday, but it's, it comes up every time, this idea of love. He's talking here about God's love, by the way. That love that's, unsac that's, un that, that's sacrificial, rather, that doesn't think of itself, right? That gives for the benefit of others, not considering the cost to, to, to oneself. That love that doesn't calculate and keep a record. Right? It doesn't have, there's no spreadsheets with his love. Okay, I, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Okay, I, thanks for scratching my back. Okay, now you're going to scratch mine? Well, I don't feel like it. Well, it doesn't keep count of those. Oh yeah, but when you scratch mine, you're going to scratch it as good as I scratch yours. You know how that kind of love works? No, it's a, it's a love that gives of itself without of any thought of anything in return. That's God's love. Just gives. No, they didn't treat me right. 
still, he, we didn't treat him right and he still loved us. Well, we were still sinners. That's the kind of love that he's referring here. That's the kind of love that he wants the church to be grounded in. He wants the church to be rooted. Our roots, when we go into the ground, if you would, of a plant, in our case, the roots that we have, they go into his love. That's the foundation that we have for our lives is his love. And then that love spreads out to others. And we become a witness to the world of something incredible, and that's the love of Christ. Right? And then he goes on to say that his desire for them, in verse 18, is that they have strength to comprehend, that is to understand, with all the saints, that is the whole church together, what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth of that love. And to know the love of Christ surpasses knowledge or understanding and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God so what Paul is asking for in his prayer here this is a prayer remember he's asking that the church together might understand the dimension of the love of Christ so it goes so what do we have let's look at it real quick we have breadth which is width right we have length height and depth so let's look at the cross for example Going up, going left, right, and down, right? So let's look at that. Came up with something here. Let's see if we can do it. God's love can be described in its breadth, length, height, and depth uh, by looking at the cross, for instance. And so, uh, and, and we can see the dimensions of his love through this, right? Essentially, God's love moves in every direction. So... Let me try this. See if this. Let's see if this works. God's love is wide enough to include everyone. That's a pretty good one. Right? His love is long enough to last through all eternity. Okay? God's love is deep enough to reach the worst of us. God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. I mean, it's kind of cute, isn't it? I mean, this is a little way to try and get it. There is no direction or dimension in which, because Paul describes here space, right? How do we get space? Well, we have breadth, length, height, and depth. Or, or There's no direction in which his love can't reach you, can't touch you, no matter what you're going through. It's It's... There's no limit to it. Now, having said that, to know the love of Christ, he says it surpasses knowledge. We'll never be able to finish this course. It's not like you go to, you know, math, algebra one, and you pass algebra one, you go to algebra two, then you go to algebra two, and I guess what, pre-cal or geometry, and calculus and then trigonometry I don't know it just goes up I never made it past I think algebra my head was spinning it was so much to comprehend he's saying that he would he would have us to know that the love of Christ it surpasses knowledge you're never going to be able to exhaust it you're never going to be able to reach a point to where you say all right 
I've arrived when it comes to knowing the love of Christ. That's the kind of love that keeps us moving. Because whatever love we had and needed last yesterday, and we, we were able to experience it, 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 that's not enough for today. There may be, what, as you're growing, you may need a, to under, God's love in a greater way, and it's going to be available. That's what God, there's no limit to it. Trust Him and put yourself in His love. And you'll see him do miracles with your life. Surpasses knowledge. That, that kind of hits home for me because if I shared with you before, I, I think too much. I think that if I think too much, I'm not going to have to think about it anymore because I figured it out. And I thunk wrong. <laughs> I, I didn't figure it out. I just went through the whole misery of trying to... I, I look at every angle. Every single one. I go underneath, I go above, I look on the side. I mull it over, I chew on it. And weeks go by. And then finally, whatever it is I thought I was going to confront, is a whole different thing. I didn't even think about it. It was, it was just... You know what I mean? I got a phone call recently from someone and said they need to talk to me. I was busy. So I said, uh, let's meet. And then I had something to work that meant I couldn't come on time to meet. So I called that person. I said, hey, can we talk on the phone? Or you want to tell me now? No, I'm busy. Oh, now you're busy. Right? And then I'm thinking, because it's being delayed, and I'm going, what do they want? And I'm thinking the worst, because I think about everything. And then finally, the person reaches back, I answer the phone call, and they made a request that was just nothing, no big deal, just something easy. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I spent all that time thinking and suffering a little bit for no reason. Don't think so much. Just put yourself in his love. Receive his love. I come to the conclusion that Thinking too much is actually painful. Not saying to not think at all. I'm saying too much. So I've dedicated myself for the rest of the year to be a little dumber. <laughs> and let him be the smart one in my life. Because <laughs> everything I try to... I don't know about you. I'm just talking about me. Everything I thought I, was, I had figured out, it, didn't, it hasn't worked out at all. I look back for the whole 63 years and nothing has ever worked out like I thought it was. So what am I wasting my time for? Just be in His love. He knows what's best for you and He'll take you there by the hand. And He'll never leave you and never forsake you. Are you guys getting bored? Now to Him, we're almost done. Now to him who is able, notice this, I underline the word is able. And I'm going to bring out another point and just say it. He is able. So if you're questioning whether or not he's able, whether or not you can trust him and deposit your life in his hands and trust in his love and his will and his purposes for your life, I'm going to tell you right now, it's one thing to go to God and know that he hears us as our mediator and great high priest. It's one thing to go to him and know that he hears us. And it's another thing to know that he understands us. And it's all great. I can sit down next to Yolanda and I can tell you all my, you know, all my story and then you know, maybe get you even to cry a little bit. 
feel some pity for me. It's one thing to share those things with someone, and that's nothing wrong with that. But when you share them with the Lord, not only does He hear you, not only does He understand you, but the best part is He can do something about it because He's the Almighty. He's all-powerful. He can find a solution. That's what makes going to Him wonderful because it's great that He does hear me. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. Thank you, Lord, for understanding me and having compassion and, and mercy. But you know what? Can you do anything about it? And this verse says right here in verse 20 now, to him who is able. You see that? What's he able to do? Oh, man, this verse is for me. To do far more. Far, say, everybody say, far more. Far more than what? And uh, far more abundantly than all we ask. Go ahead and ask away. Ask everything. Take it all out of your heart. Like a dump truck. Just back it up and pour it out onto Jesus. He can do more than you can ask. And here it comes. Or think. Wow. All those years of thinking. No wonder my brain hurts. No wonder I have migraines. <laughs> He's able. He's able. And how, how will he do it? According to the power that at work within us. Oh, what was it, what's within us? Christ. The inner man that strengthened, right? And then it goes on to say, at least this prayer that started at verse 13, to him be glory in the church. Notice that this is for the church. This is for believers. For him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Throughout all generations. So from the moment he penned this. We're reading it 2100 years later. Us too. Yeah for us too. All generations. You're included. You're not excluded. And he says. Forever and ever. We have something solid to believe in. And you know what amen means? So be it. Settle it. When we say amen in our prayers and we just say our prayers, sometimes almost ritualistically and ceremonially, like when we go to eat, God is great. He gave us chocolate cake. Whatever. I don't know what you say. You know. We just say it, you know. And then we say amen. You know what we're saying? It's like putting a stamp on it. So be it. That means you've settled it. You've committed it to the Lord. You're leaving it there. You walk away free from thinking and understanding and just saying, I know you're able. Whatever you're going to do, however you're going to do it, and whenever. However, whatever, whenever. I trust you. And he dwells in your heart because of that. Let's pray.
Father, thank you. Um, this prayer by Paul for the Ephesian church is, is beautiful. And um, honestly, Lord, we don't deserve any of it, but that's the prayer. That's what this wonderful apostle and pastor and teacher uh, shares with this church that uh, that he loved and that he had such an incredible commitment to. Spent three years there. Now he's writing them back from, from a prison. He's wishing them the best. And that's what you wish for us, the best. Because you're a good father. And here we are, Lord. We ask you to take our lives. We receive Christ into our hearts, I pray. If there's someone that hasn't done it or someone that forgot how to, very simple. You trust them. And you ask them into your heart. It is true. We do ask you into our heart. By, by, by trusting you, by believing in you, you dwell in our hearts. By dwelling in our hearts, you give us all the strength we need and you take care of us in every way. Even beyond what we're able to ask or think and that, that, that's pretty amazing because you have all the resources we need and beyond to help us to find rest because many of us uh, haven't found that rest we don't have peace in our hearts or joy help us to just right now surrender to you everything just say here it is Lord this I put the whole package in your hands. I lay it at your feet. I don't want to think about it anymore. So tired of thinking. I just ask. I'm just asking. And I know that you'll give us more than what we can ask. That you'll give me more than what I can ask. And each of us, Lord, we say that prayer this morning. And I don't know how and who needs to hear this. 90% of the sermon I didn't even prepare for. You did. And I thank you. And I pray, Lord, that we would get up from our seats today where we're at and we would walk in a new way, knowing, Lord, that you know what's best for us. You want what's best for us. And we should understand that as a church. And is, these aren't easy days. But we're strong because of the fact that you dwell in our hearts. And we trust you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.